This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. With Brian Katrick. He's been the talk of the course today with his huge drives. And Ollie Dean. I really am rugged with him. It's early Sunday morning. The sun is coming up. I'm on the tee at seven. I'm here to try my luck. They say this game's a tough one, but I'll give it my best shot. Though the bunkers look like beaches and the greens like parking lots. Oh, Lord. Big match coming up. I'm going to be in the caddy. What am I? Why don't you try backing up? Give me just a little room. Help me keep my head down. Save me from those double bogey blues. Golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. You know, you don't deserve any credit hitting the ball with that swing of yours. Try to hit one with my swing. I'm catching on the ball. I got my foot in my head. I'm laying it off. Well, that too. I'm throwing I'm clearing too early. I'm clearing too early. My God, my swing feels like I'm going to launch him. Step right up, folks. See if you can outdrive the amazing golf ball uh, whacker guy. Help me keep my head down. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. Save me from those double bogey blues. Gunga, galunga. Welcome in to the golf show. You're on the fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. I'm not the voice you're used to hearing. I'm. This is what's going on with your voice. Along, it's, 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 let's talk about the voice later. Yeah, Derek Thomas here, a little under the weather, filling in for Brian Katrick. He's on remote, uh, as he always is around this time, alongside Ollie Dean and Adam the intern. Welcome into the golf show. Uh, a lot to get to if you're... Uh, if you have been paying attention to the world of golf, there's obviously plenty of us, to, plenty for us to talk about, and not just the golf itself, unfortunately. But Brian Katrick will join us a little later in the show. He's down in Florida covering the PGA Tour. Uh, we'll have some surprise guests here in our second segment. I like how you say surprise. We, well, we're, we're not 100% sure who, who they will be, but we're, we're going to have a random guest. Pretty sure we're, we're not sure who's going to pick up the headset down in Florida, but we, we are sure the headset will be picked up. Potentially C- Steve Scott. Yeah, well, hopefully, um, you may that that may that name may ring a bell. If not, we'll uh, we'll we'll remind you who that is. Uh, he as the live tour up in uh, up in Portland at Pumpkin Ridge. Steve Scott uh, had a uh, quite the episode there quite a long time ago alongside Tiger Woods. We might get into that a little bit later, but a lot to go, a lot to uh, come up here on the golf show, uh, PGA Tour up in Illinois, the DP World Tour. Over at the uh, the Irish Open, Ireland, Ireland. It's a wonderful place this time of year over there. I'm sure I, that's that, that's a whole different segment. But yeah, that, be a lot of fun to be drinking a Guinness and watching some that's, golf. That's bucket list stuff is to go over there and play yeah, some, that is, play that some is golf. Bucket list I, stuff. I need to do that. But um, but we would be remiss, Ollie, if yes. uh, we didn't talk about what everyone in the world of golf is talking about. This. That is true. That is true. Adam, the intern, was on time today. 
Yeah, so, yes. yes. And everyone has been talking about I, it I all over the studio. Everyone has been waited with <laughs> bated breath since last week's show to find out, is the intern, first off, is he going to no. have the courage to come back? He did He did make it on time technically last week, but like 8.57 doesn't, isn't good for a show that starts at 9 o'clock and we have to go down and yeah, let you in well, the When you're supposed to meet someone at 8.30 and you get a text saying, hey, just <laughs> so you know, I'm running a little late at 8.32, first off, that's not news. I already... <laughs> already deduced the fact that that had happened but to his credit long before 8 30 rolled around today he was here well, and, I, and i think he's done some research which means he is paying more attention to what's going on in oregon than anybody else on the planet yeah so good I'd, for him i'd be lying if i uh went out of my way to find to watch any of this tournament the live golf series up there in portland i did catch uh the quote-unquote third round highlights as i was driving into work today mm-hmm. um mm-hmm goodness me I, I i would argue first and foremost let's just talk let's well, talk about the field out there. So let's, I, let's argue let's talk about the field out there if 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 i was just a casual golf fan like i am i recognized more names in that live field than i did at the top of the leaderboard for a lot of the for this pga tour event here at the john deere classic sure i think that's fair but the question is how relevant are those names that's, still? that's fair um, I, I think the casual golf fan is going to remember Martin Keimer winning the U.S. Open by using a putter off of every green. But if you go a little bit deeper, you're going to realize that Martin Keimer hasn't cracked an egg um, on any worldwide tour in a very long, long time. time. So, yeah, they've got names. And, and certainly Greg Norman put out a tweet earlier talking about the number of major champions that they had in the field. So it, it kind of looks good on paper, but... There's not a lot of substance underneath that, in my opinion. Well, that was one of the things you had talked about, being a, a guy that knows a little bit about marketing. Um, the corporate sponsorships. They don't have any. Still don't seem to be there. Well, it's, no, it's a tough sell. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about this last week, um, and I gave Greg Norman credit. So, Adam, write down that I gave Greg Norman credit. Yeah, that's... Um, the first time to come to the United States um, to go against the John Deere Classic, which, as you mentioned, is... Not a top tier. It's not a premier event on the PGA, PGA Tour, Tour event. Um, certainly was going to give them a strength of field argument that you already touched on. The other thing is they went to a market that's been starved for golf for a really long time. Um, not a lot of events in the Pacific Northwest. Or Dustin Johnson talking about that. A lot of these guys have never been able to see us play out here as professionals. So. Sure. Um, you know, I think the, the PGA Championship at Sahali was probably the last time there was any sort of event out there from a professional golf standpoint. Which is a shame. I imagine there's a lot of good golf up there, but... Yeah, a lot of good golf courses. Um, but anyway. Yeah. So I thought they would have a very, very large crowd. Um, I thought that they had set themselves up to be successful. They were on a different time zone than the PGA Tour event. They were in a market that hadn't had an event in a long time. But if you watched any of it, if you were one of the 83,000 that tuned into YouTube on Saturday to watch any of the final round, that's right. 83,000 people were tuned in on YouTube. That might sound like a lot to some people, but it's really not. No, it's yeah. it's pretty much insignificant. Yeah. Um, there weren't a lot of crowds. Now, LIV has come out and said, we capped the crowds, which is an interesting <laughs> PR <laughs> spin. Weren't to... they trying to give away? Weren't they quite literally giving away tickets in London? Yeah, but then they capped it. So oh, once they gave away as many as they wanted to, then they said that they stopped giving them away. In other words, um, once uh, once the interest ran dry. Which is interesting because, you know, if you're a promoter, you certainly want to be able to tout that you had a sellout. And, and they touted that they sold out all their tickets in Portland, all 52 of them. Um, 
So there weren't a lot of people there. Um, so I think that looks bad. And if you're a corporate sponsor, you know, you want a sellout mentality. You want, you know, kind of a must-have ticket in the marketplace. They're not getting that yet. And the reason that they said that they capped it was for safety concerns because of the the politicized nature of what's going on with their tour. Well, that's another thing. If you're corporate America, I'm not sure you really want to get involved with that either. You know, you don't have a lot of people coming and you're telling me the reason they're not coming is because you're worried about safety. Well, I'm not going to really, you know, buy the, the chalet at the 13th well, hole then. How does that my make guest me, at risk? How does it make me feel as a patron just, just going to a place like that? Yeah. And, and look, I don't think it's a safety issue. I, I think the demand is very low. Um, I think the interest is relatively low. Certainly there was, you know, a new wave of players this week with Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed and others, Matthew Wolf, who good for him, um, had a top 10 finish for the first time in a really long time in any sort of golf event. So he did pretty well out there. Um, I, I believe Brandon Grace won. I think, uh, I think our intern has an interesting stat on that. Can we add him? Adam, are you there? Yes, I'm here. What's your interesting stat? So Brandon Grace has won $6 million in the first two live golf events, and that is more money than he's ever won in a single year on the PGA Tour. There you go. All right, turn your mic off. That's enough. <laughs> no. Um, killer stat. I love it. And unfortunately, that's not surprising at all. No, I mean, uh, I don't Brandon know. Brandon Grace is a great player. Yeah, I, I don't know how many tour victories he has. Um, this seems to be, you know, a godsend for the South African players. You've got uh, Charles Schwartzel, who won for the first time in, I think, six years anywhere in the world. Um, the first event, Brandon Grace wins the second. So the South Africans are certainly lining their checking accounts with this tour. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. And there's new players coming. Paul Casey announced this week that he is joining the tour for its next stop. Uh, there's a lot of talk about some other players that that may be coming. So the, you know the, the slow trickling torture that is the drip of PGA Tour and European Tour players committing to this tour looks like it's going to continue for, well, for the time being. But speaking of the European Tour and the PGA Tour, big news out of Pontevedra in London. Uh, the alliance has been deepened. The PGA Tour has actually bought a larger stake um, in the production company for the European Tour events. So they seem to be strengthening their partnership and their resolve to kind of defend the current ecosystem. Um, they actually suspended, not really suspended, that's the wrong term. They fined players and banned them from playing in three events uh, that happened to be co-sanctioned by the PGA Tour. That was the, the fine on top of that throws me off a little bit. Yeah, 100,000 pounds, about $120,000 with the exchange and it, rate. And this was because they chose not to play in the or Was this from this week or from last week? Right? No, it was from last week. Right. So it was in response to them playing in the first event without garnering a release. Um, so Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood, I think Ian Poulter's among that group, wrote a letter to Keith Pelley, the commissioner. Yeah, 16 guys, right? Of the European Tour. I think it was 17. Excuse but, me. Um, saying, we want you to rescind these banishments from us playing in the Scottish Open and the Barsal and the Barracuda, and we want you to rescind the fine, and if you don't, we're going to sue you. I'm paraphrasing In that. as many words, we will take we will take whatever action we can, or in as many words yeah, as they They threatened to sue him. Yeah, basically. Um, and Pelly responded, have at it. Um, <laughs> you knew there were going to be consequences. We told you there were going to be consequences, and we appreciate the fact that, you know, you're so concerned and say that you're stalwart supporters of this tour, but if you were stalwart supporters of the tour, why are you not playing in the Irish Open and you're playing in this event out of this exhibition, I believe he called it, out at Pumpkin Ridge? 
So the lawsuits are going to be interesting. And, and here's the interesting point. I think for the casual fan, um, you know, we, we're kind of equating the battle between these tour players that are leaving and LIV and the PGA Tour like we would conflicts in other sports, whether it be, you know, player walkouts, you know, strikes in baseball and in football where you've got this player group and then you've got this ownership group and they're diametrically opposed. And we can kind of equate that to, you know, our bosses not giving us raises and, you know, it's it's the corporation versus the people. It's the players versus the owners. Well, that's not this. This is the players against the players. Um, if these 17 or 16 European Tour players decide to sue the European Tour, they're suing the members of the European Tour. They're not suing some corporate ownership group. It's not some board of directors that owns the PGA Tour and takes their money and everything like that. No, if Patrick Reed and their, um, Dustin Johnson follow suit and threaten to sue the Tour or if LIV sues the Tour, they're not suing Jay Monahan. Jay Monahan is the commissioner who represents the players. They're suing Justin Thomas. They're suing Rory McIlroy. They're suing, you know, Scott Stallings. Those are the people that they're suing. So this is going to boil down to some very interesting locker rooms at some upcoming majors um, in the fact that the divide between the players that that are staying with their you know current ecosystem tours, whether it's the DP World Tour or the PGA Tour, and these players that have left, you know, if this thing goes to court and everybody's kind of predicted the the legal ramifications to this, it's it's going to make for some interesting post round conversations in the locker room. I think that's one of the thing funny things I think about is um, for the most part, most of these guys get along on the PGA Tour. I, I imagine just in my head. I know obviously you're going to have friends that you're, you're going to have folks that you might not be best friends with, but just the, the awkwardness and in 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 the clubhouse and in the locker room and even just, you know, out on the, on the practice tee. And I remember like Justin Thomas said, you know, I don't, I don't hate Dustin Johnson. Now we can still be friends, but they've lost a lot of respect for him. And the way they're affecting the game, that has to be awkward the way these guys deal with each other. Oh, I certainly would think so. Um, you know, and you know, Fred couples was quoted this week. Um, well, to paraphrase what he said, you know, he's kind of over this. Um, Did he bash Phil? Yeah, he bashed everybody that says, you know, we're doing this to grow the game. He's like, you know, just stop saying that. You know, you're you're doing it to to take the money. Um, There are no grow the game initiatives. There are no charitable functions at this point that have been promoted. You know, there are no junior leagues that are being, you know, funded by this. Um, You know, it's. It's just a money grab. That's right a good now point. I'm players. not. I'm not here to to give Live Golf Tour any uh, any any tips or anything like that. But one of the greatest things about the PGA Tour is the charitable works they do uh, along these stops all over the country and even in Canada and, and Mexico. And there's almost always a, a large charitable part of the event giving back to that local community. I don't understand how Live has missed this so badly with all of this money, and some might want to call it dirty money. How you haven't had some sort of charitable something giving even if it's not giving back to quote unquote the game giving back to somebody because that's been such a big part of the pga tour for for the longest time and that's something we potentially would lose yeah i think certainly any organization needs to approach it and whether you're you know a professional sports organization or whether you're you know dicky broadcasting you know what impact are you having on the communities that you serve are you having a positive impact and and what are you doing to to uplift that community. Certainly the PGA tour does that for all the reasons that you've cited, not to mention, you know, the number of people that come to the events, the number of hotels that are sold in the marketplace, the economic impact to the community, all of those things. And, you know, the initiatives that they're involved with, whether it's, you know, partnering with the USGA and, and Augusta national on drive, ship and putt, whether it's, you know, 
the development of the Corn Ferry Tour, giving people an avenue to to promote and to and to play the game that they want to play for the rest of their lives. Um, all of those things are important. And right now, you've got an entity that's serving, you know, the top one percent. You know, if you're one of those golfers that's getting a hundred million dollars, well, it's serving you and your family pretty well. But I don't know that it's serving the whole ecosystem very well at all. Uh, yeah, it just it just seems so. It, it's such a PR battle at this point, and that would seem to serve the live golf folks to expand uh, where all this money is going just a little bit. Well, we got a lot more to come. Well, hold on a second. Before okay. we break. Okay, we got a break, but go ahead. Wh- which team won? Was it the, the Clickers? Uh, was it the Smashers? The was it the Aces, Cannonballs? The, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm afraid. Who, did Brandon Grace won the tournament, right? Yeah, but okay. did his team win? I mean, isn't this, this is fascinating stuff. We've Adam, the know. intern, this is where you're supposed to, you're supposed to help us out. Adam, the intern, was it the Clickers? <laughs> it was, it was the Aces. The, a- the Aces. The four Aces, right? Or is that, did I? No, it's just the Just aces. the Aces, my yeah. bad. Four Aces DJ's would be team. a better name because I think there are four-man teams. So, Derek, thought, you call Greg. I know you've got him on the hotline Didn't here. take me long to, fig- to fix that name. Yeah, four Aces is much better than Aces. Well, congratulations to the Aces and whoever is on that team. I'm sure they won a lot of money. And they get Nobody to spray cares. champagne everywhere. Nobody cares. Well, they they won a lot of money. I suppose they care, but unfortunately. Nobody cares. This just Yeah, it's just not not cracking the radar for, for most of us. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I tuned into the first one just, you know, out of just had to so see. part of the 53,000 that tuned going into the first one. And I did not tune in to a second on this one. But, anyways, all right, we got a lot more to come. We get we, plenty of action on the PGA Tour. We haven't even really gotten into the Irish Open. over on the DP International Tour or the World Tour. Uh, BK live. Uh, he's been broadcasting for the PGA Tour this week. We'll catch up with him a little later. And then coming up next, maybe Steve Scott, maybe some other folks. So it's, uh, it's a we potluck. We have no idea. It's so exciting. <laughs> Who's going to pick up the headset? You'll find out with us next here on the Golf Show on the Fan 680 and 93.7 FM. And now it's time for Who's Driving? Brought to you by Ray Judice. If you're facing DUI charges, you need a DUI lawyer who will step up to the T for you. Call Ray Cell at 404-964-4185 to schedule an appointment. Welcome back into the golf show. Alongside Ollie Dean and Adam the intern, I'm Derek Thomas here filling in for Brian Katrick. He's down in Florida, but we will catch up with him live. A little later in the program, as he's been covering all over the uh, John Deere Classic there on the PGA Tour. But as for who's driving, Ollie, I hear Shane Lowry? Yeah, Shane Lowry. What do you got on Shane Lowry? Well, he's played in the Irish Open, obviously. That makes sense, right? Irish descent. <laughs> he's an Irish Pretty important tournament for him. And he's standing on the 15th tee, needing four birdies to make the cut. Oh, I Drives did... it into the bunker on 15, makes birdie. Birdie 16, birdie 17. Birdie's 18, makes the cut, and celebrated as if he had won the tournament. And the great thing about it was the fans, because they actually do have fans on the DP World Tour, oh. celebrated with him. It was amazing. So, so he got a little boost from the hometown crowd. I say hometown, and it's a big country, but I don't know exactly where he's from. Country. It's like, what, the size of Rhode Island? I, How big not, is Island? I guess it's not that big. I mean, I've I'm never saying, been there, but I think he could probably. Not everybody's could, from the same town. You could there. drive across it without getting a hotel room. <laughs> not a you? huge, not a huge country. Right, but a lot of a lot of good golf up there. But congratulations sure. to Shane Lowry, hometown, home country, making four birdies in a row to make the cut. Well done. Uh, yeah, DP, uh, the, the World Tour, the Irish Open, finishing up today. We'll talk about more, a little more, a little more about that a little later. But joining us now, live from down in uh, Florida, Mr. Steve Scott. Mr. Scott, how are you? Are you there? Yeah, I'm right here. How are you? He's there for the most part. Are doing very well. We appreciate you joining us. 
Well, we were hoping, awesome. Steve, that awesome. it was, was going to be you that picked up the random interview headset of the week. So we're glad that we, you did. We, we lucked out. And I've been looking forward to talking uh, to you for a long time. Obviously, we have a mutual friend in Brian Katrick, and he has talked about a lot of the things that you do in golf. Um, but I'd be remiss if we didn't go back to 1996 and the most important event ever to be held at Pumpkin Ridge, uh, your duel with Tiger Woods. No, I, that's nice of you to say that. Yeah, we uh, we definitely we had a duel back then, didn't we? Over almost twenty six years now, pretty crazy. Yeah, twenty six years. Um, obviously, one of the more famous, and there were so many great shots that happened. But what overshadowed some of the great shots was, you know, your sportsmanship, and I believe it was on the sixteenth hole. Tiger Woods had not moved his mark back to its original location, and. You know, without missing a beat, without thinking about it, um, just reacting for the good of the game, you uh, you told him to move his mark back. Is that correct? It is. It was a heck of a moment. It was the 34th hole of the match, and yeah, it was it was it was a crazy moment, right? Because I'm the underdog. I'm not supposed to win that match, and and I had a chance to uh, to stop the history that Tiger was. Nobody had won three U.S. Amherst in a row in the history of the game. Not Bobby Jones, not Jack Nicklaus, not Arnold Palmer, nobody, and. Uh, the only guy in Tiger's way to stop that history just happened to be me. And, yeah, it was, it was a crazy moment. Uh, I had a par putt from about 10 feet, and he had a birdie putt from 6 feet, and his marker was right in my line. And like you would on any Sunday morning like today, you just say, hey, he slapped it over one. So he did, and I went up and I hold my putt. And, and all of a sudden, uh, I'm walking off the side of the green because he's got to make this putt and not win the hole outright. And and I noticed his, he's put his ball down in the wrong spot, and and I kind of turned my head and said, "Look, hey, Tiger, you got to move back." And um, you know, it was one of those kind of reflexive actions that uh, they, they, it's one of those things that golf teaches you. Though, and I think that I, I've been going around. I, I wrote a book last year about this this very topic and about this very match, and and you know, it was one of those uh, moments that that I learned as a youngster. I learned as a thirteen year old growing up in the game, and it was a moment that was just it was it, it kind of showed why golf is what it is and and you know every bit of sport you got a referee throwing a flag or blowing a whistle and, and trying to stop uh you know everything as much as they can without the referee seeing well golf is completely the opposite of that and so you know you, you do the honorable thing uh, playing with integrity is the very first rule of the game and so uh it was just it's just kind of baked into you as a as a youngster um, I learned it very young, and so uh, in a moment where it might not have been advantageous for me to do so, you know, I guess I upheld the rules and the traditions of the game in that moment. And he turns around, he makes the birdie putt, holds a 35-footer in the next hole to tie the match, and he ended up winning on the second extra hole, the 38th hole match, and turns pro the next day in the world and $40 million Nazi contract and uh, off the run. Hey, Steve, we're going to call you on the phone. We're having a little bit of technical difficulty. Um, so we'll have you right back in just a moment. But I think that's great what Steve just talked about, and that's the great thing about the game. You know, there, there is no referee. There is no one monitoring the game other than the players that are doing it themselves. Um, and the great thing I love about hearing you know, Steve re recount that story is the fact that he didn't have to think about it there wasn't some conscious weight of what is going to happen if i make this decision and what's going to happen if i make that decision it was simply at the end of the day making the right call at the right time and instinctively saying you need to move your mark back not if i don't tell him i'm going to win the match three and two 
Yeah, and that's that's really um, you know that's that's really the hallmark of golf, right there. That's why golf is on the pedestal that it is in the in the echelon of sport, and and I think that's why people are having issues, you know, with this whole live tour thing because golf is just not it's not I don't know it's just not that, and 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 so you know you kind of it's this compare and contrast sort of moment, you know, between a moment like that and and things that we're, we we see now, and and yeah, it's just kind of. Um, you know, it's it's not what golf is is all about. No, I would agree with that. Golf is, I think, one of the great things outside of you know what we've already discussed with you know the honor and the self policing that golf has. It's also been a meritocracy for forever. Um, at the end of the day, you get out how you perform. So, you know, you had a chance to go against the greatest amateur by winning three um, U.S. amateurs in a row that we've probably known certainly in our generation, but you know. You had a chance to win, not that you were unheralded, not that you didn't have a great amateur career. I mean, I know you won the Western Amateur, which is one of golf's you know, major amateur championships, but you had a chance and, and took him to extra holes. It wasn't about resumes, and it wasn't about what you've done before. It's about what you did that weekend, and I think that's what the general golf fan is losing and why the LIV does not have as much interest is, you know, if you're already guaranteed money when you show up, it's, it's definitely different than how golf has been brought to the masses for a very long time. Yeah, definitely more, you know, the word exhibition gets tossed around and, and, you know, it's kind of what it is. I mean, these guys, you know, Brandon Grace makes a putt yesterday for, you know, $4 million or something. I mean, did it, did it mean anything, right? It's it's like, did it really mean anything in the world of golf? And then you, you know, you contrast that with, you know, I, I covered the, let's, for example, the RBC Canadian Open a few weeks ago. Oh, what a tournament you know, you that had, was. <clears throat> right? And you, it was the 112th edition, I believe. And, you know, it, it, you know, you think back and, you know, Tiger hitting the great shot at Glen Abbey and over the over the pond on the 72nd hole. And you think of all these things that, that, that there's history based, you know, baked into all these events. And so when you, when you look at, um, you know, when you look at some moments like this, these contrived moments, uh, no, no matter how great the players are or, or were or will be, you know, it, it's, it's the events just don't have a, they just don't have any, any foundation to them. No, I couldn't say that better. Um, and I loved what John Rahm said before the U.S. Open in his press conferences. You know, it's about history. It's about, you know, winning Jack's tournament. It's about winning Arnold's tournament. To your point, you know, these national championships that have been competed for hundreds of years, you know, the history that goes back to all of them and, and it means something to put your name on that trophy. Um, I'm not sure that they're creating relevance with all the hype that they're creating with this live tour. Um, yeah, look, look, professional golfers have have. I mean, all these players that play professional golf, they look, they 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 do very well. <laughs> Let's put it that way. You know, look, if you need, you know, a hundred or two hundred million to make you happy, okay, that's that's you, but. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's, let's, let's, you know, spread the love. What the PGA tour does, I mean, just, just in the, in the, the, the generosity of all of their, uh, you know, all of their, their foundations and the, the, um, the opportunities that they have to give back to the communities that they go into. And, you know, they've given more, what, what's the stat they give, you know, way more than every other major U uh, S sporting uh, organization combined in charitable dollars. And so, you know, you look at that and, and, you know, you know, we need to keep playing that fact up because that is a, that is an important thing in all these communities that the, the tour goes to. No, no doubt about that. And, and I want to move on. You've done a lot to give back to the game as well. Um, 
You know, can you talk about um, some of the things like Outpost Club that you're involved with? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I look. I've been a. I played professionally for six years, and and I was. Uh, I'm still. I'm a PGA professional, and so I was a head pro at a few different places in New Jersey and New York, and and uh, yeah, certainly you know love teaching the game. Love you know I do a lot of stuff for Golf Week uh, uh, on their online platforms, and so I love I love giving you know if I can if I can share some of the knowledge that uh, that I've gained over the the course of time in my competitive career and. You know, to players that are trying to, you know, become, you know, a 15 handicap, trying to become a single digit. You know, that's that's kind of the cool thing. Um, and so, um, yeah, involved with, um, you know, uh, uh, really the, the the Outpost Club is con- is actually a, we have a society called the Silver Club Golfing Society that's associated with that that I that I run now, and it's all full of single digit handicap amateurs and you know good players, and we go around to great places, and really, you know, it's fun to have you know, show the experiences and, you know, offer the experiences to our members of all these great places we go. So uh, that's a, uh, that's a big part of what I do. And now broadcasting side, I'll be on the, the main feed on PGA tour live here in about 25 minutes. So, uh, you know, just talking about the game, being around the game is certainly a big passion of mine. And the silver club society, not only are those individual events, but you also have some, some team format events as well for the, the single digit handicaps that are members of that. I- we varied up. We we do some match play. We do some. We did our first uh, kind of Ryder Cup style match uh, last week at uh, Valhalla and Victoria National. So that was really fun. Um, we go all we go all around. We've played uh, places not too far around Atlanta. We've played Macklemore. We played the Farm. Uh, we've played. We we're up in Knoxville, uh, Holston Hills. So yeah, a lot of fun places we get to go. So 1996, you do not take home the Havemeyer Trophy. Um, a lot of people remember your show of sportsmanship on the 16th green. A lot of people remember the lovely caddy that you had. Um, I understand that even though you didn't have the Havemeyer Trophy, that uh, that you uh, took something home from that event and made a life with that as well. Yeah, and, and believe it or not, uh, it is our 23rd anniversary this today. So July oh, congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully I'm not divorced before I get back. But uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> the uh, no, it's it's great. It's um, you know, Christy's great. She's an LPGA teaching professional. We've got two two kids. We got a son who's 14 and a daughter who's 11. Um, you know, everybody's into the game. We we just love you know we love the fact that um, you know we can we can share the game of golf and and uh, but but Christy's been a rock you know for a long long time. Well. Congratulations on your anniversary. We cannot thank you enough for taking the time to join us. And congratulations on everything that you do to help elevate the game that we all love. So thanks for joining us. No, my pleasure. Glad glad to be on with you guys. What a great interview. Derek, how cool is that guy? Yes. Uh, th- to handle it, uh, that would still bother. I mean, that still bother you after, what's it been? Almost 30 years. Almost 30 years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's got the right attitude. At the end of the day, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about, but I understand that they go back out there for anniversaries of that event. They really celebrate um, what happened. And the fact that in 1996, he took Tiger Woods to extra holes. Um, and Tiger shouldn't have even been eligible for amateur activities sure, at this he time. He wasn't amateur. He didn't uh, even yeah. have any NIL deals He back even then. said Come the on, next he day. He was a complete amateur. The next day, Tiger turned pro. So yeah. this was, this was the, the third straight. Yeah, for Tiger. 1996 we talked about this. his we, third straight, okay. yes. 
Uh, and yeah, I mean, even I, I still remember that as a, as a, as a young kid, I didn't pay a lot of attention to the U S amateur, except we knew who tiger was at that time and him winning that third one in a row. Yeah, it and might've been the only time I've ever rooted for a Florida Gator in my life, but I was rooting <laughs> for the upset. Hey, that's fair. Stanford Cardinal took it from him though. And then what, you know, next spring wins the masters. Was that the next spring? Or was it one more spring after that? Uh, it might've been one more spring. Okay. Was it 97? No, I guess it was. The and then, yeah, yeah, he was just in 96. So yeah. Hello World was in yeah. Milwaukee. Didn't take long. And then, yeah, the Phoenix Open, he had the hole-in-one. Yeah, and then 97 won the, the first soon enough wins Masters, the Masters. Yeah. And, oh, wait, hold on. Sorry about that. Sorry. Sorry. All right, well, we got plenty more to come here on the Golf Show. Hopefully our, our friend Brian Katrick, your normal host of this fine program, uh, always a busy man down there covering the PGA Tour. We hope to have him next. Uh, and still a lot to talk about on the PGA Tour, on the DP Tour, and... Still never enough. Uh, we can't talk enough about the the live tour and the way these oh, I three tours. I, I guess I we, can, we can, but can more than one enough. of the things is the way these three tours are interacting and the push pulls a lot, lot more to get into. But anyways, Brian Ketrick will join us next uh, on the final segment of the golf show. On the fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. Two of Atlanta's best golf experts right here on Atlanta's Golf Station. Now more of the Golf Show with Brian K. Crick and Ali Dean on Atlanta's Sports Station. The Fan. Three voices, including Derek Thomas, alongside Ali Dean, Brian Katrick, uh on remote. However, it is our distinct pleasure to welcome Mr. Katrick back into the program alongside Ollie Dean and Derek Thomas. BK, how are you? Well, I am great, gentlemen. We hope you are. Can't tell you how cool it was to hear Steve Scott on. Oh, uh, Sorry, it wasn't on the uh, the right piece of equipment. I don't know if the audience cared, but I cared. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's such a cool dude. I got to know Steve a few years ago. and uh, I don't know if he told you that story, how we got started, but... Uh, Most people try and forget great. how they met you, Brian. So, no, he did not share That's that not with funny. us. That's not funny. <laughs> I thought it was kind of... Everybody like behind the work. glass is laughing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I give them credit for laughing. <laughs> Write uh, that down, Adam. Yeah. Um, now, the, uh, we, had, we had a guy on our crew... At the PGA Championship at Bethpage, and I'd, I'd met Steve a bunch and worked with Steve a couple of times on some other projects. But uh, all of a sudden, the PGA Championship at Bethpage, which was just a couple of years ago, it was the one that Brooks won. Um, we had a guy last minute, all of a sudden, couldn't do it. We're looking for a we're looking for an analyst at the last minute, and uh, Steve gets gets put into the mix. I think he gets the gig on Wednesday, and Thursday morning, it's Tiger. Francesco and Brooks playing at like 7.30 in the morning. Uh, we were the only place that you were going to see it. PGA.com and the interactive coverage because TV wasn't going to come on until the afternoon. So there was no other feed. And he gets the job the day before. And it's a, it's a hello world, you know, welcome to the, welcome to the big time moment because everybody's going to watch him do his thing the next morning and it was uh he was fantastic as you just heard you can imagine how good that guy was no um thank you for setting up that interview um i've known you've had a really good relationship with him for a long time you've certainly shared some of the things that he does in the world of golf to help grow the game and give back to the game but uh to have a chance to talk to him i, I was really looking forward to it and did not disappoint um loved his perspective on what's going on in the world of golf right now 
Certainly loved his perspective of what happened on the 16th green at Pumpkin Ridge. So very cool interview, very cool guy, and uh, glad we could uh, have him on the show and share him with our listeners. Yeah, I'll give you credit. Ah, write it down, Adam. I got credit. Uh, give you credit. Uh, we're Ollie and I were talking about this. What the situation might be for us, and uh, hang on. And and I mentioned Steve Scott, and you knew Pumpkin Ridge, and you said, "Hey, let if we got the opportunity to talk to Steve Scott when they're at Pumpkin Ridge, let's do it." So uh, that that right there, what you just heard was a uh, was a product of Ali Dean. Well, I appreciate that. I just wanted to talk about the most important thing that's ever happened at Pumpkin Ridge, and to have Steve Scott here to do it, I thought was great. I was going to say we're adding some more layers of deep, deep history this weekend at Pumpkin Ridge. Well, no. The history we talked about, um, (laughs) the the thing that mattered, we talked about with Mr. Scott. Um, The exhibition that went on there, I'm not sure, ranks anywhere near what happened in 1996. Uh, But let's talk about what's happening this week. Um, Doing the broadcast for the John Deere, interesting leaderboard. Yeah, um, we got all of a sudden J.T. Poston. The J.T. Poston story is, you know, he he goes back and forth with Max Homa. He's one of these. On Twitter, he hangs with Justin Thomas. He hangs with these guys, uh, and he's got to win. But he's the he's the one in the crew that kind of hangs in the back, and nobody really knows much about JT Poston. Well, he he could be later today. He could be a multiple winner. Could play his way into the British Open. Uh, he's going to get a lot of confidence out of this if he wins. Uh, John Deere Classic is always fun. It's always had the spot on the calendar the week before the British Open. Uh, in this case, it gets a little reprieve in that it's two weeks before the British Open. They still have spots available. It's a birdie fest. We're at 19 under par. We've been enthralled by the Morgan Hoffman story. Uh, Morgan just went out and birdied his first three holes this morning. Uh, in case you missed it, Morgan is a guy, great, great young star that was playing at Oklahoma State and was making his way out on the PGA Tour. And he gets diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. And that's not a, hey, you can beat this type of condition. It, it's going to win is, is the history of it. And he said at the time, he said, well, finally, I understand what my life's purpose is. And that's going to be, you know, to, to work on this and help other people with this. Uh, and we thought, I thought that was really nice and noble of him. And then, you know, he went away. And thought, well, that's, that's just going to be another sad outcome. And we've seen it in all walks of life. Well, what Morgan had done was he goes down to Costa Rica. There's a great article by Dan Rappaport in Golf Digest about what Morgan has done over these last two or three years. He's been down in Costa Rica trying all kinds of natural healing options because he's gone through all the traditional medicine for uh, for muscular dystrophy. And he's trying to change a lot of his circumstances. And I don't know how well it's going, but I know it was good enough for him to come back. And he looks just like he did before. And he's as good as he did before. He's now made two cuts in a row. So no idea really what's going on. Big picture for Morgan Hoffman, but it's a fun story to watch. So we've been watching that one this week too. Uh, certainly a fun story and got, um, I don't want to say a break, but certainly took advantage in the changes in the rules of golf where I think he was plugged in a bunker on Thursday or Friday and tried to blast it out. It ended up hitting his hat, which in the past would have been you know, a penalty um, because it was accidental now with the changes in the rules of golf, not a penalty. Almost holds out the next shot, walks off with bogey as opposed to you know double or triple. And uh, 
definitely helped him make the cut. And then to your point, he had a really good round yesterday. And I think he's playing on a, is he playing on a medical? So he needs to get a certain number of, of dollars banked so he can continue to play on the medical. Is that how that works? That's how that works. Uh, I'll give you credit. Give him credit, Adam. Write it down, uh, Adam. Unfortunately, he's out of his medical starts now, so he's done with that. And what Travelers last week was the last one. Uh, and it's very deep inside the game. He got in when Steve Stricker withdrew. He was a late sponsor exemption. Uh, so that's that's the question for Morgan Hoffman. He's he's going to be sponsor exemptions, Monday qualifying, that sort of stuff for the rest of the season. And we only have six weeks left. So does Morgan try to go the Corn Ferry Tour route, try to get into the playoffs there and make a run? Does he go to Q School again? Uh, the golf questions are many, but his his health questions are more. So we, we don't know what his health is going to dictate him being able to do. Either way, I'm just really glad we're having these conversations about Morgan Hoffman. And, and why do we care so much about Morgan Hoffman? Let me just tell you. Because he's a good uh, dude. He's a good dude. You know, he's been, you know, he, we have a, cha- a party at the tour championship at my house. And so he comes over this one time. Uh, he had made the tour championship and, and this guy, he's a Renaissance man. So he, he was one of the founders of the Grayson, the Grayson clothing line. So he's, he's one of the first guys in he's wearing that stuff. That's the stuff that Justin Thomas is wearing now. Uh, he learned to fly a plane. <laughs> he doesn't have a plane, but he learned to fly one. Uh, he comes over to our house for this party. My wife likes to cook. So she's over there cooking and she's, she, she loves putting on a party. Morgan is a, is a closet cook himself. So he's over there and he spends like 20 or 30 minutes. Like they're, they're writing things down and trading recipes and he's got the apron on, he's got the pans in his hand, he's cooking. Then a couple minutes later, I hear a commotion down in the basement and, and they're, they're doing trick shots down in the basement. They're jumping over people and doing, you know, funny slam dunks and whatnot on the basketball goal. And, and, and Morgan's at the center of that. He's already got the video edited together that he put together on his iPhone. And I'm like, good Lord. Then I come upstairs a little bit later on, and he sits down at the piano. And there was a John Legend song on the charts at the time. He sits down, he just starts banging out this John Legend song. And little Lucy wandered over to him. And uh, I'm like, man, you, you, have you, did you take piano lessons growing up? And he's like, no, I just kind of play by ear. And, you know, just he was the center of he, Everybody couldn't get enough of Morgan Hoffman. He, he could do everything there. And, and most everybody Im- loved this guy. And most importantly to me, I believe he hot-lapped the courtesy car around the go-kart track, didn't he? Well, we, that's, that's the part of the story we're not going to tell. Oh, we're not going to talk about that? We're not going to talk about that. Talk about that. <laughs> yes, uh, but yes, that happened. Maybe could have happened, too. And that was that's the part where I fell in love with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, that's what garnered my attention as well. Uh, Scott Stallings, actually back on the leaderboard as well. Heard he got a new set of irons in the bag this week, or actually oh, an old set was- of irons. Yeah, so cool. I played the new Titleist T100s, all right? I got a great fitting over there at the uh, at the Piedmont Driving Club. Micah Woods was involved and the, the great staff over there. And the T100s are awesome. Uh, but they are a bit of a picker's club. Uh, they, have a, they have a very narrow sole and, a, and not as aggressive a bounce. And if you're a picker, uh, they actually – and I'm a, I'm a digger, so they actually encouraged me to kind of do some different things in my game, and they are great. problem is – Stallings is more of a digger. 
And so it was the T-100s from the year before is what he actually wanted. And he realizes that, and he just, for whatever reason, it wasn't feeling good this week. He's on the bent grass, it's soft, and he's just sticking those clubs in the ground. The sweet spot wasn't where he wanted it, the center of gravity. So he, t- he calls a buddy, and he says, hey, man, you got to get my T-100s out of the garage. So a buddy goes over to his house and can't find the exact, or he's not positive he can find the exact clubs that Scott has. So he, he overnight, Scott, four sets of irons out of Scott's garage just to make sure he sent the right ones. And sure enough, one of them was last year's T100s, which is what he wanted, and they're clearly working. Yeah, clearly. 64 yesterday, I believe. Probably low around. Yeah, we we watched it. No, there was uh, there was a there was a 63. Yeah, Bohag. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, cool stories. Lots of cool stories at John Deere Classic. And the top three, there, there are three guys today. If you're not, if you're inside the top 10 today and you were not already in the British Open, three players that are both inside the top 10 today and not in the British Open are going to get spots in the British Open. So it's not a guarantee. We may not have anybody like that, or it may be the top three players. You never know. But uh, they've got spots open, and that's cool. Very cool. So um, we opened the show talking about all that has happened this week with the Live Tour. Um, you've been around a lot of players, a lot of ex-players. What's the what's the sense of uh, the news this week out of Live? Uh, everybody's still with the same questions that we've had the whole time. Uh, the the latest signing with Paul Casey uh, doesn't you know he fits the mold of guys that are that are kind of coasting toward the finish line and uh, Hey, I'm one of those guys. So I'm not mad at any of those guys, but it's, these are not headliners. These are former headliners and they're great, but uh, we're all wondering what the future is. You know, there's, there's everybody's plenty of rumors about what next year is going to be. And the the rumor now is that they're going to go to the 14 event schedule, which was plan a, they're going to go to that next year. And then you got to start to wonder what the attraction is because now you got to play 14 times, and they're going to tell you exactly where all 14 of them are. And you want to play the four majors, and those dates are set. So the idea of the, uh, this, hey, I can pick where I'm playing, no, that's gone. There's there's no picking where you're playing. You're going to have 18 dates set for you. Now you're going to be well compensated, but it's, it doesn't provide the flexibility that they're, uh, they're claiming it does. Don't you just wish, I mean, wouldn't it be nice and refreshing if – during one of these pre-event press conferences, we stopped here and kind of, and, and I'm going to use the word nonsense about growing the game, owning my own schedule, spending more time with my family, and someone just say, I'm doing it for the money. Yeah, I think we've all, the, the, basically where we're at here in uh, in places like a TV compound for the for the John Deere Classic, that's just an, that's a given. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to hear somebody say it. I think Pat Perez came close to saying it. Uh, Richard Bland definitely said it. But, yes, they're definitely doing it for the money. Didn't Pat and then Perez? the question is, yeah, how long are they going to be able to keep doling out this sort of money? Uh, and that's, that's the other question we don't have. They're not going to keep giving $125 million per player forever. No, you can't do and it. They, and I think that's actually the reason, or one of the reasons. I certainly don't want to, you know, put thoughts in someone else's mind. But, but if you're a Brooks Kepka. If you're thinking that you're ever going to do this, do it now because there's more money now than there will be next year. Definitely. Definitely. And that's why you, anybody that's older that doesn't want to play the schedule, 
that's just got whatever bone to pick they have, go get your money. But a year from now, two years from now, the offers are going to get closer. BJ Tour money is going up. This money is going to go down. It may never get equal, but it's getting closer. And it is the money that separates this operation right now. No, I completely agree with that. And just this is a little bit of inside golf. But when we talk about 14 events plus four majors, um, if you can play in those, that's 18. Um, the majors count towards events played on the PGA Tour. And what's the minimum that you need to play on the tour to keep your card? 15. So you're playing less on the PGA Tour, more flexibility of where you play than, you know, this kind of untruth that's out there that there's more flexibility going with the Saudi league. Cause I guarantee if they paid you a hundred million dollars, you're playing all 14 or you're giving some money. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you get to take a week off cause you want to. So I think that's a great point. They do, they're doing it for the money. A lot of people would do the same thing. If offered the same situation, we just wonder how long that's going to keep up. And I don't think it can possibly keep up forever. Financially, we don't know what they're doing. But if you want to tell me we're going to compete and we're going to have a business versus a business, this can't keep up. They're already past that. Yeah, about a billion dollars past that. Yeah. Yeah. Look, man, I appreciate you jumping in there. Did you let Adam talk at all today? Yes. Yes. Adam told oh, us boy. that the the smashers, the oh, clinkers. Boy. The aces. Uh, he was, dro- oh, he was no, dropping sorry. all sorts of uh, The aces of won golf, the team championship out there at the exhibition. He, he, he led us off of that. Plus, he gave us a great stat on Brandon Grace winning more in two events on the uh, the LIV exhibition tour than he did in uh, any year on the PGA Tour. Okay. Now, well, Adam's contributed. Stats guru, Adam Crooks. I'll give you this stat for Brandon Grace. This was his first win on the LIV tour. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> He's not the expert of golf for nothing, folks. <laughs> Such insight. Happy 4th of July. Thanks, everybody. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey, Atlanta, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today, accentroofingservice.com. 